This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi guys, uh, just before this episode starts, as, you, as per usual, we'll give a shout out to our podcast sponsor, which is the FIFA Factory. Uh, you'll be well aware of what that is and what it's all about if you listen to the last episode where we spoke to the creator, Matt Phillip. Um, if in that time you've decided that it is something you want to give a go, you want to know how to get about doing that, um, their Twitter handle is at the FIFA Factory or... Obviously, you can get in touch with any of us from this podcast, me, Joel, or Will, and we'll direct you to where you need to go. Um, for those who haven't listened to the last episode yet, um, or haven't heard about what FIFA Factory is before, it's essentially a friendly community on FIFA that um, is has been made in the lockdown periods to sort of help anybody who's a FIFA player sort of want to get away from your, your frustrating drib of the foot champs or um, have a more enjoyable experiences in, instead of the what can be quite a frustrating uh, competitive scene uh, in your online games. Uh, you play 90s overalls, you get a different squad, you run a league system and they do bonus cups, mid-season cups, playoffs, promotions, relegations, there's the full lot. So if, if it is something that you ever wanted to give it a go, then do so because, you know, it's like I said, it's such a different FIFA experience because it's an enjoyable one. There's no frustration there. So do do get across and give them a go. Thanks, guys. Tigers, tigers burning bright on hallowed turf, a glorious sight. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Now then, guys, welcome back to the next episode of the Hull and Back podcast. Um, I'm back. Uh, so is Will. How are you, Will? You all right? I am feeling pretty good. It, well, yeah, I'd imagine so. I've, I've awoken Will from his slumber for this episode. Um, I am a lazy I'd, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to message him a few times to, to make sure that we were recording. So um, we're blessed with Will's um, Snorlax presence at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got quite a bit to talk about on this one. Um, we can, we'll have a brief glimpse over the preceding three games from today. Uh, 
Uh, we could talk about the nice 5 0 thumping at Wigan, the Jekyll and Hyde game of Doncaster, the Just Hyde game <laughs> of <laughs> Ipswich, and then um, a Jekyll of today. So, um, in terms of our past few results, so we've had a 5 0 thumping away at Wigan, we've had a 3 3 draw away at Doncaster, and then we've lost 1 0 at home to Ipswich. And then we've won 3 0 today away at Wimbledon, Will. What's going on? Inconsistency is what's going on. Yes. I mean, is there a reason? Right. Because I'm sure um, someone will have to double check these stats for me, but I'm sure somebody on Twitter mentioned that at home, we've only scored 15 goals. 15 goals. Northampton and Blackpool are the only teams to score less. Yeah. And we've scored 37. Thirty-seven more, away from like home. nearly like eleven more than I think the next team. Now, you see that's a weird, very because I don't think that happens very often. Now, imagine if our home form was even mid-table standard. Imagine where we would be. Because, uh, wh- why do you think we struggle at home so much? What is what's your theory on it? I think it's to do with the mentality of being an away side. I think our best football is usually when we're playing on the counter and we're the team that is sort of on the back foot, not controlling the game. Um, and usually the home side is the one that would control the game. When Usually when we're in control, um, teams will sit back against us and we can't break them down. But when we're the team of attacking, we're usually okay. I think it's a case yeah. of being a more counter-attacking side away from home, being more to our strengths. Yeah, I mean, it's a fair point because obviously we have shown um, under McCann that, that we do prefer to be the counter-attacking side. But surely with with the, the quality of the Stein eleven that we've got, even at home, we should... We've got more than enough creativity and firepower in this team to be dismantling anybody at home, regardless of how they set up. So why doesn't it happen? Oh, I'm not sure you'd have to ask Grant, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it is weird how, how vastly different it is. Um, and I do wonder if it is a f- thing with the fans. Um, I wonder what the form would be like if fans were in the ground. Well, yeah, because that adds to the, you know, like we're better away. So that, in essence, means that the, the teams that we're, the home grounds that we're going to, they're also playing worse at home because we're coming away with more positive results. So maybe it is just, because I think since the first lockdown, when they, they, post, they, they halted the season halfway through last year, um, all the away teams were getting far better results. It was becoming a lot easier to win away from home, I think. Because there wasn't the advantage of having the fan base there. But my logic, I'd argue that having, not having the fans there would be less pressuring because, especially the KCOM, like we, we're a very impatient bunch. I mean, great, so to when, be fair, before I'm done, the KCOM didn't exactly have many fans in it anyway. Yeah, yeah, so it's not much <laughs> different for our fans. But it's... When a side plays bad at home, you've got a lot more fans sort of, you know, making disgruntled noises, making their voices heard, etc. on the stadium. I would think it'd be more pressuring. Well, less pressuring to have no fans in the stadium. So, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. 
But we've we've shown with our away performances. I mean, that five 0 dismantling at Wigan was 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 perfection, really. I don't think they really offered us any sort of. Threat I do think also a bit of it is op- the opposition does come into it a bit as well that we've played away. Yeah. And it's. I mean, like you've got because we don't play a different system. He, he plays the same way. He plays the same people. So it's is is quite a bizarre. Obviously, like when a team presses us higher at the KC, I think is is our issue. We don't like because I think Wimbledon tried it in the first half of today. I noticed where when we when we try and play out from the back. Teams want to force us to play it long because we're just no good at retaining the ball. Yeah, um, we hit it long, so it, it, I think it's a case of at the KCOM teams press higher than, than than what they do at, at home. I can't understand why, because if you if you play the same way against us, then you nullify our threat entirely, no matter where we are. So <laughs> it is a weird one, but um, yes, five nil. So Wilkes got a hat trick, KOP got a goal, McGinnis got a goal. All three of them, the front three, got a goal after. What was a worrying run of form where we were barely getting any shots on target, if any, um, in some games. So uh, we had that going for us. It was a required um, goal after the 8 now. <laughs> and again, it was a bit of respite for the humiliation of last season. I mean, there, there was a part of me that, that thought we were going to get it at some point. Might be asking a bit too much of this current side, but, you know, we, we're going to in some dire they, times. They could have done. City had enough chances to do so, to be fair. But yeah, we did. We do. We do seem to, even when we're scoring goals, every now and then do seem to still miss some of the gillage chances. Yeah. But I can't really complain so, about the five 0 though. No, not at all. <laughs> and I think that's something that we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna try and touch on later um, after today, um, because I feel like I might be one of them that contributes to that kind of mentality at the same time. But you know, we'll, we'll talk about that later. We'll start off with these. Um, so we've had the five 0 thumping at Wigan. We've gone to what is going to be a direct promotion rival in Doncaster. And we've started that half pretty much where we left off with Wigan. Um, yeah, plan A was working perfectly for once. Yes, Granny's, Grant's plan A. We was 3-1 up at halftime. We went 2-0 up. And then they brought it back with a bit of a long-range Thunder bastard. But we restored well, parity. He should have done better, the Yes, he should have done. A rare And then by halftime... We're 3-1 up. Now, me, naive me, is sat here on the sofa going, they're not bringing this back. They're not scoring three goals against us. To be fair... What on earth happened in that second half? Well, firstly, I would have agreed with you until there was two There was two points where which completely changed it. One was KLP not taking advantage of their keeper making a horrendous cock-up. Um, mm. And point, I think KLP possibly before the contract scenario might have scored that. But at the same time, he should have squared it to Honeyman. Obviously, being the striker, I can completely understand why he didn't. So he's got the striker's instinct. He wants to try and score and his sort of like run of form. Um, but I think that didn't help because if that had gone in 4-1, it would have been over at 4-1 at that point in the game. And then secondly, I think not long after that was when Doncaster had the position where there was two handball shouts in the box and they both looked like very good shouts. Based on how the handball law is... They look like incredibly good shouts, and I thought at least one of them was definitely a penalty. And when they didn't get them, it just felt like it's it's lit a fire in them, and they're like, we, we're not going to let this happen. 
And from that point on, we just controlled the game. And City just seemed to not be able to sort of... For some reason, they sort of switched off completely at that point and just let Doncaster run the game. Yeah, I mean, um, the, I think, like, like we... We we tried to record this episode yesterday, didn't we? Before the Wigan game, uh, the Wimbledon game today, um, and we were mentioning, talking about this game before that there was changes in that game, like the substitutions. Um, well, it was the it was the fourth substitutions to players. We we've got key players in this system. Yeah, that if, if they're the, missing, the last it doesn't point work. Well, yeah, Doherty went off early in the second half as well, which did not help. And Doherty was. Absolutely fantastic that first half, and I think losing him is what inevitably led us to drawing that game. Um, because if, if if you look at the way we play, so he he has his like little four three three system. He has one midfielder slightly further back than the other two. He allows both fullbacks to push on. One midfielder sits. The other docky does a box to box situation where he runs about clearing up and linking Jones to the front three. And then you've got Honeyman who just sort of free runs and does what he does best. If you take any of that midfield out, whether it be Jones or Smallwood, whoever's playing in that anchor role, or if you lose Docky or Honeyman, we lose the ability to to run a game. We lose our rhythm With entirely. And Docky's injury that second half, I think, is literally the reason that that second half started to fall apart. Now, Doncaster obviously had nothing to lose. They were two goals down, so they can just throw the kitchen sink at us. And I think sometimes when we're asked questions defensively, we've been very lucky to not concede more than what we have. I think the amount of clean sheets we've had is a bit um, misleading on how strong our defence is, because I do think sometimes we're a bit shaky. Yes. Um and it's and it's now got to a point where injuries are sort of well. Not that, but the, the back fours um, with us pushing the full-backs on, we rely on the two centre-backs a lot. And we've got what is a new, a young and experienced Greavesy alongside Burke, who I think, when you ask him any sort of defensive question, isn't isn't the best at all. He's <laughs> a good player to be alongside a, a better centre-half. But I think as a, as a defender himself, he's not shown himself to be the best so far this season. That's my opinion anyway. Um, but when we've got these fullbacks pushing on and then you've got Doncaster who are literally just going to throw the kitchen sink at you for 45 minutes, you'd expect us to maybe concede one but see it out. Um, my inkling is that, well, my irritation is that McCann just doesn't seem to see games out properly. His game management's just poor. Like if, yes, Plan A worked in the first half, fantastic. But then when you lose Dockett and something's got to change, change it. Like, Donny were all over us and he just... We didn't seem to want to try and adapt and change the situation to to cope with it. We just allowed it to happen. And yeah. It, it, the... We didn't count uh, them bringing in Bostock to control their midfield. Yeah. As soon as they made that change and then they, they used him as like that deep line playmaker to just spray like long diags about and control the game, we needed to change our system to, to nullify his threat. And we, we didn't. We carried on playing the same way we did in the first half, minus Greg Dockey, so it wasn't working. And this led to Doncaster just growing more and more into the game and getting more and more confident. And like you say, the ref's poor performance for both sides, really. 
yeah, it played it into Doncaster's hands um, because, uh, you know, the, the, the two handball shouts probably pressured him into giving the penalty that he did, which obviously led gave them that goal and then they're only a goal behind then, so it was only a matter of time. Especially when Coventry <laughs> came on. Yes. Um, and then you get through to... And you get through to extra time and you're thinking, now nah, we've won this. Hundred and we thought that. Hundred and something <laughs> minute. Honeyman goes off injured and it's like mm, we should still be okay. And then obviously some forty year old geezer who designed the kit that they were wearing and etc. Obviously written in the stars, sticks a top bin free kick. It was a great free and... kick, but it was so so deflating. <sighs> Yeah, it felt like a loss. Like, we took four points off Dancaster this season. It was pretty positive. And you would have taken a draw if offered. Well, I would have done. I'd have taken oh, a yeah, draw. Oh, yeah, the game, I would have done, yeah. Game. But obviously, given the circumstances, when you're 3-1 up at half-time, you should be winning a game. Um, this brings this brings me on to the, the Ipswich game, to be fair, because we've gone from scoring eight goals in two games to another game where we haven't had a shot on target. Now, what went wrong at the Ipswich game? Why Why did we lose? Why did we continue that second half at Doncaster and just let it happen over 90 minutes against Ipswich? Why? Ipswich did their homework. They played a high-pressing game, uh, a, a, a thing that has completely stumped City all season. And they played that way and it reaped the benefits that it has for all the other teams that have played it. City just can't deal with, for some reason, just cannot deal with when someone high presses them. Well, I say for some reason, it's obvious that the 4 3 3 doesn't work with when someone plays like that against Jack. Yeah. What was their striker called? Uh... It was Norwood who scored. Was it Norwood? Yeah. He he had a very good game. He did. It was, which, um... it was decent. Ipswich had a good game. A completely different, yeah, completely different from when we played them earlier in the season. It was a, it was a combination of us playing, us playing poor, and then Ipswich, like you say, knowing exactly what to do against us and sort of keeping us in that rut and not letting us get back into the game because he didn't play, he didn't start Jones, did he? Against um, it was it Ipswich. Um, no, he didn't. He didn't no, he. He, kicked, so he, he because he, Crowley, he brought Crowley and White back into the side, and they played well. Yeah, the main striker. So that just comes back to the. I know he's coming back from injury and he didn't want to risk him, but that just again shows us that when you take one of the cogs out of that starting eleven, it it just all goes. It to was pop. very weird because after what happened on the weekend against Doncaster, I was very surprised that Doherty and Honeyman were playing. Considering both of them went off of what looked like there would be injuries that they made the world for a while. Yeah, but, you'd, you'd expect you'd have expected a couple of weeks for Doherty and, and then possibly quite both, a serious one. Both, both of them, neither of them played well, and I don't think it was an injury thing. But both of them played like they weren't all there, and hmm. Elder did as well. Elder was very tired. It was probably his worst game for City, you know, in a long while. Yeah, I think. I mean, to be fair, on Elder, like. When we start, I know Emmanuel started against Ipswich, um, which is something I'll, I'll talk about in a bit. But when when we start Coyle, I said this to you yesterday, didn't I? When we start Coyle, 
we haven't got as much, I don't think, as, as a threat down the right-hand side because his... Like, Emmanuel and Coyle are both very good, but in, in, in different ways. Um, it depends what you require from that specific game to me. And Emmanuel's better in an attacking sense, but Coyle might be, you know, more of a level-headed uh, in, in, in the defensive side of things. But when we play Coyle it leads to Elder having to do the majority of the um, attacking. So we, we tend to focus our attack down the left-hand side, which means that Elder is doing the majority of the up and down the pitch sprinting. He probably covers a ridiculous amount of uh, distance each game. So it will, it was bound to catch up with him, especially when we're primarily focusing on his side rather than having it balanced like it was in the first half of the season when we had Emmanuel. Dan Wilkes' side, we sort of had like that that two pronged attack because we could go down either side. Whereas at the moment, our left's the strongest. Um, so I think Elder was due to you know start to fall off a bit. But why aren't we playing Max Clark? Why isn't he in the squad? <laughs> why Why did we sign him? Yeah, is he not fit? The, the is only he thing I can think of is because, like I said, he he hasn't played for about eleven months. There must be a thing with match fitness there. And he has been playing for the under-21s. Under Have we signed him just so he could move back to England? <laughs> it just it, it confuses me as to why we've brought back somebody who is, who has gone over to Holland and played quite well, from what I've heard. I'm not going to pretend I watch Vitesse. But... Vitesse. 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 <laughs> Vitesse. Don't have an accent, does it? Don't nice watch. But if we've if we've signed a player of, of of Clark's ability, and Elder's looking like he might be starting to need he needs a rest. Well, actually, considering I was going to say, well. well, we'll get onto it. He didn't look like needed a rest today. It's it's a weird one. He just looked tired, but the entire team looked tired. Yeah, I mean, we are playing like Saturday, Tuesday every game, so I think to be. Um, in this current climate of football where we're having to squeeze games in so regularly um, and it's like Saturday, Tuesday consistently, you, you, it's all going to come down to who's got the best squad to rotate effectively that you can sort of do like-for-like like swaps where players are just... The, the, the replacement you bring in is just as effective as the guy they're replacing. Well, like we have that in the sense of Coyle and Emmanuel. Like, I won't be bothered to start. I think there. we do Saturday, um, Tuesday two more times. We've got Rochdale, obviously, midweek coming up. And then next, the midweek after that, we've got Peterborough, which is obviously a big game. But after that, when you look at the fixture list, it's almost all Saturday, Saturday, Saturday. I think it's yeah, because I think we're it's, the only team that's played for yeah, we, we've Yeah, we've played um, at least. Oh, no, it's one more than... than uh, I know the teams around us... Donny are on, like, 28, aren't they? They're four games Yeah, but they're on us. such a shocking river form. <laughs> um, That's um, good. Where the um, other teams have played 32, there's a few that have played 31, I think, then it's, it's 29. And then I think it's... Um, Blackpool have only played 27. So they've got five games on us, Blackpool. Hmm... It's going to be an interesting one because when obviously all the games in hand are played and that and points all sort of reshuffle the table about, we'll get a more accurate view yeah. of where we are. Cause we're sat in third, yes, that's brilliant, but you've got to take into account obviously everyone around us. I know they've got to win those games. Uh, 
and they might not. Um, but it's one of them, in it? The potential for us to slip quite far down the league and end up mid-table is there, and it's worrying. Uh, but back on to Clark. So we've signed Clark. We've signed players like Flores, and they're just not involved. And it's weird because... Why sign them? Yeah. It, 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 to me, if you're signing a player, they need to be at least 75% match fit, that they only need to miss maybe the first couple of games, that they're ready to be thrown in if needs be. And it just seems like we've signed players and then just sort of excluded them from the squad. And I don't... Like, say, for example, we don't know what Flores is capable of because we, we haven't seen him play enough to... to Where does he play? That, is he a holder? Is he a docky style of player? Is he a honeymoon? Is he a winger? I don't know where he wants him to play. So, when you've got players like... um that are so vital to our system like Jones Docky, you'd be thinking ho- hopefully he's signed Flores to be an effective replacement for that and we've not seen it. So it is it's quite bizarre that you know we're throwing players like Crowley in who's undoubtedly uh talented talented uh but doesn't fit anywhere. Yeah. Which is look like, we said that last night as well, didn't we? He's like he's he's a number ten but he looks- we don't play. He doesn't fit 10. in a four-three-three, but the problem is we only play four-three-three. Yeah, so that's another weird one. Why McCann signed him if if he knows he's number ten, and unless he's planned on maybe changing it up and then decided against it because of injury, I don't know. Um, but it's going to the crunch time where you'd you'd expect rotation to be a regular thing, and that that just confuses me a little bit. So um, that leads us into today's game then. Um, we've both watched this one throughout. Uh, no work commitments this weekend. Uh, I'll let you go first, Will, if you want to want to give us your little match summary. Oh, I am very happy because it was a nice, comfortable victory in the end. Um, very similar, I think, to the Wigan game, to be honest, in the, the opponents. Wimbledon, it was weird because Wimbledon, when we played them earlier in the season, um, when they came to the KC, I thought they looked okay, looked like a decent outfit. Could have been two or three up against us. Didn't take their chances. We sort of scraped to one nil. Um, but today, considering they've had a manager change since that match, and I know they've dropped down the table in the relegation zone now, they just looked a shadow of that side that we played earlier in the season. Um, but it was just so comfortable today. There, were, there wasn't. I don't think they. I can't even think of a chance Wimbledon really had any point apart late on Ingram had to make a save very late on like an injury time but apart from that he didn't really have to do much everything was comfortable for him and City just sort of controlled the game and while they could have probably won by more it, we managed to score some of the chances that we got I'm, I'm, yeah. I think, I, I, mean, think we, I don't think City were perfect but I thought they were solid and they were, they were, we, we were, yeah, they were comfortable. It, 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 that would have been maybe if there'd been a better side against them, it could have been maybe an issue. But it was comfortable, so it was what was needed essentially after what happened midweek. Yeah, I mean it's one of them games, isn't it? Where as a City fan, you always fear playing the sides down near the bottom because we don't send to up our game, whereas they're fine for the life. They put a bit more into it, and we sort of coast through it. A Burnley kind of game, if you if you must. Um, so it was one of these games where I I could see us losing one nil, 
but we were fairly capable of winning three four nil. So it depends which which city turns up on the day. Um, with the current form, I thought that we were going to struggle again. Um, but no, we didn't. We we I thought we controlled the the like. Um, I think the Wimbledon manager said um, after the game that we we isolated their striker, that that Piggott, who scored fifteen goals from this season. He's their top scorer and their biggest threat. Mm. And we obviously highlighted him, and we we kept him out of the game, and we did it well. And they literally they didn't really offer us any threat. We didn't look at a. Uh, with the back four looked very comfortable. I thought um, Jones, Doherty, and McGinnis all had very good games. Um, they were McGinnis looks like he's getting back to his best form again, which is a, a good thing given how important the next run of fixtures is going to be. Uh, Evesy back on the bench, um, obviously <laughs> not a massive goal threat for us this season, but it it it, it means that we've got another. Similar kind of striker to McGinnis to yeah, bring on if, if we have to, yeah. rather than yeah, rather than playing Wilkes through the middle. I don't think it does any any good there whatsoever. Um, but yeah, we 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 did what we had to do. It was we we looked at threat all the time. I thought KLP running in behind was a real threat, especially early doors in that first half. They, they didn't know how to cut. I don't know how KLP didn't get um, a goal in that game. To be honest, he deserved the goal when he round that when he rounded the keeper. Um, I thought that was it. I thought that was his goal, and it was a tight angle in his mid sprint. Yeah, he, got, yeah, he did everything spot take. on. And like as well, when when, when we yeah. actually got the penalty as well, that was another great bit of play from the team and a good bit, a good decent run from KLP. I thought it was a soft penalty, but I've seen him given. Yeah, it, you could. Yeah, like you wouldn't be too judged if it was against you, um, but I do think it was a penalty. And I, can can I just say how good that pass was from Honeyman? Very good pass. Um, KLP's run was very but it's good. All, it's Honeyman's, kind of what we expect from Honeyman um, at this point in there as well. Yeah, that's what he gives us. I, I think he's going to be... He has to be League One player of the season for me. He, he definitely has been um, for us. He's been our player of the season. But he's just... That that pass was fantastic. And, and, and then obviously... And us, we don't ever get penalties. And we've had two we in had one, one We had one all season up to this point. I think Man U have had more in one season than what we've had in like seven or years least, or something. We've we scored one this season. I don't know. I can't remember if we've had more than one. Considering how many shoot... We've had a few penalties. Considering how many shootouts we've had. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've had a few penalties. It's just not actual in-game penalties. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we controlled the game. We looked threatening all the time and we didn't we didn't look under any threat whatsoever. And going 2-0 up at half-time, it's always a weird score. You know, we'd been two goals up against Donny and we knew what happened, so but realistically Wimbledon didn't carry the same no, threat Manchester did. I didn't I, I I wasn't worried that they were gonna bring it back. It was just a I, I had that I had that little bit of paranoia just because it happened, but I didn't yeah. I thought that Doncaster just just not completely different team. Just there's clearly <clears throat> And and I wanna mention that usually we either start the first half very slow, grow into it and finish strongly in the second half, or we start the first half quite strong and then the second half's very poor. And I thought we started the first half very well, we controlled it, went into and up, and I thought when we came out oh, the we second were right half, at it. he was, yeah, it like he, he, it's like he'd said to him at halftime, look, we know what's been happening now, lads. Go out there, act like it's nil-nil, get some urgency and you, get another goal, kill this game off. 
because we, we had like three chances in the first two or three minutes of the second half. And we just looked like we'd, we, we were out for blood. We had them by the throat. And I think it just took Wimbledon um, by storm. And I just thought we played very, very well. Um, do you have a standout performer? Would you have given oh, the match to? I've seen a McGinnis. few different ones. I thought he, I thought he had a superb game. He, he obviously scored the penalty emphatically. He the, the the chance that KLP missed came from McGinnis doing a really great run and pass to him. Um, he obviously assisted Burke's goal, and he had the grace grace and patience to give Wilkes the ball for the penalty. Mm. But did he? Or did he just well, do he it? Well, he did, because he was going to take it and then changed his mind. And he could have just taken it. Yeah, I think if he hadn't have pushed Coyle, he, he would have taken it himself. I think he just didn't want everything to kick off. He did. He did exactly, big, he was the, the bigger, bigger man. Yeah. So... It, yeah, we'll talk about that now. To be fair, so this penalty decision—it's—it's it's been. It, we've won three 0 and you know, a typical city Twitter. We've 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 focused on probably the only negative in the entire game, um, and allowed it to overshadow what was what was a very good ninety minutes. I do think it was it was a concerning now, thing at the time, though. To be fair, I think actually if is, if yeah, if the coil thing hadn't happened in in the middle of it, I don't think people will be as bothered about it. I think because it was the captain. That's what made people a bit more yeah. concerned. And obviously what's happened personally, so, we don't have to worry about it now. But for that time, I understand why people were very upset. Yeah. So so what so give me your actual thoughts on it then. So obviously, you know, Wilkes does a storm run. run from the edge He's of his own box. He takes on two players, wins the penalty, um, grabs the ball, says, I'm taking this. Now, McGinnis goes, obviously, I'm the penalty taker, gives it here, and he's like, no, I'm taking this one. I've won it, I'm taking it. And it, they, they've, they've proceeded to have a disagreement about who's taking it. Now, Coyle is the captain, obviously, comes over, gets involved. McGinnis is the penalty taker, give it to him, no, snatches the ball out of his hands and gives it to McGinnis. This obviously pisses Wilkes off. Coyle turns around, comes up back to the edge of the box, and Wilkes pushes him. Now, we don't know what they've said to each other. We, we no, never uh... will, unless, unless they tell us. Um, but this led to McGinnis putting the ball down, about to take it. He's he's turned around and realised that Wilkes is having a bit of a tantrum, so he's 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 taking the high ground. If and you said, want right, it, take it. Come on, then take it. You better not miss it. Go it was for a very it, nice mate, penalty. Dispatched it well. Now we scored. It's a very good penalty. Now, yes. No, actually, no, I'll let you go first because I, I feel like I might rabble on a bit more about um, you. I was concerned, obviously, at the time. Obviously, knowing now that it's all been sorted pretty decently by some of the things. But I do think when you do something like that, mm-hmm. I mean, he might have done, but it didn't seem like the manager was trying to get involved much. And he might have been. We didn't, just couldn't hear it. But it feels like something that yeah, Coyle should be getting involved, but it also seems like something that Grant should be getting involved in uh, at the time as well. Because hmm. he has picked the but penalty. Do you, do you think what Wilkes did do was... You think, well, it's my decision. He takes the penalties, so he's taking the penalties. But do you... Would, so, are you... 
Are you saying that Wilkes is completely in the wrong? To an extent, yeah, because he knows who the penalty takers are and he should be going with the team and pick, and having that penalty go to him, go to where McGinnis. Because he knows. Mm. You see, now I agree with it to an extent because I think as a fan, you want to watch if, your team and you want I to see... I would say like, if like, know, Wilkes had been on two goals and was on a hat-trick, absolutely. But at two, it was the goal to make it 3-0. Wilts hadn't scored. No one was like in particular on a scoring sort of, you know, milestone. I think there was no need for yeah. the pettiness that came. Yeah, I think it's one of these situations that can be avoided where like, if Wilts would have looked over McCann and McCann given him the nod, all of that's avoided. But because there's no clarity from the touchline or did not look over, they might have been and they've just not noticed. But to me, it's just all a communication issue. Now, as a fan, I liked to see that. Not not the petulant side of it where he pushed Coyle. It was a bit silly. But the desire to for Wilkes to step up and say, I'm taking this. I want to bag it. That to me, you know, we, we were sat on this podcast not that long ago saying about how Wilkes was performing awful and he needed to start contributing more goals, etc. He scored a hat-trick against Wigan, he scored two against Doncaster, and he had a good chances to be put through on goal today. And I don't... See, to me, the more I watch McGuinness and Wilkes together, they've got... Do you know, like, the situation at Liverpool, where they think that Mane and Salah do not get along because one wants to score more goals than the other, and there's a theory that they don't pass to each other when they're in better positions because they don't want them to score more than the other. I think we've got a similar situation with McGuinness and Wilkes. Now... Do you remember on the podcast when we was talking about the fact that when Wilkes doesn't put his head up, he don't pass the ball, and you can hear McGinnis shouting, you know, pass the fucking ball, things like that. McGinnis was doing the same to Wilkes today, um, which I think might have gone a bit unnoticed by some fans. There was an, there was an opportunity where McGinnis was on the edge of the box and Wilkes was clean through and goal over on his right-hand side, and if he'd have just passed him through, he's got a one-on-one chance with a goalkeeper to score. Now, McGinnis has looked up, seen Wilkes, and he's took a shot from 20 yards and blazed it wide. McGuinness, well, uh, Wilkes didn't react to it. He just turned around and he walked back. Um, but it wasn't long after that the penalty... Was, so Wilkes has done this massive run up the pitch. He's won the penalty and he's picked that ball up straight away. I think he's done it because he wanted to keep his goal-scoring run going. It was a great run. He felt like he earned it himself. Um, and he's probably a bit annoyed at McGuinness for not slipping through on goal earlier. <laughs> McGinnis will turn around and say, well, you don't do it to me, etc. and he can get a bit paid. I mean, this is only, obviously my yeah, thoughts. I'm I not saying this is what they're actually doing. Looking too much into but, it at this point. I don't, I don't know, though, because... No, I get it. You know, but like... They, I they, do get it. They've, think, they've obviously I, got a I, bit I of banter going on with each other and stuff, because it was obviously McGinnis who wrote... <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying they don't get along. I'm saying they've got a, a competitive nature about their game at the moment, where... I'm not saying they're going out on the pitch and saying, right, I'm not passing to you because I hate you. I'm saying they're going out on the pitch and saying, I'm going to score today. And he's like, no, I'm going to score today. They've got that, you know, buddy um, competitive side where they've probably got like a, a bet on saying, I'm going to score more than you this year or whatever. So that, you know, kind of football relationship. Um, but the fact that Wilkes took that situation in his own hands and said, I want to score a goal, to me, just says that he wants to continue his form 
and keep his confidence high. And I'm all for that because then if McGill, uh, McGinnis and Wilkes have both scored, they've both continued their run of form. Whereas, a, you know, if McGinnis would have took it and scored two penalties, he scored two, but Wilkes hasn't scored today. And that ends his run of goals, if you get me. Because he didn't score against Ipswich. He's gone two games without scoring instead of one. Now, this is where it gets thingy because obviously, yes, he acted like a kid. You never condone pushing your club captain of everybody. Um, but without it trying to sound like I'm justifying what he did, because I'm not. Um, you can I see it as passion. I know a lot on Twitter don't. I see it as the fact that he just he wants to score a goal. He's a striker. He's a selfish striker. He wants to score goals. He got an opportunity to do so, and, and, he, and he said, I'm taking this, leave me alone. And is that really a bad thing? Well, it is because he's not the designated penalty taker. He has his opportunity to score goals, then he should take the opportunities when he's in front of the goal. The penalties are for the penalty taker. End of, in my opinion. He, he saw, to me, why, it feels like... But, I know he doesn't mean but, to do it because he's come out when he's apologised, and I completely get it, because he, he realises he, he, the mistake he made. But that's the thing, he realised it was a mistake. So he knows he shouldn't have done it. I think I, personally, I just want a team that well, I want see, a team that works sort of with each other rather than at least appearing to sort of disrespect their teammates and their captains' positions. Mm. You see, the thing is, is like I think unless you've played football for teams, so, you don't really get, you know. On the pitch, things change. I know. I know. Like, obviously, you'll have a set saying, "Right, you're the penalty taker today," but surely the, it's not an executioner's order. It's like you know, this is this is it. There's no um, swaying from this set of rules. It's not. You know, they're all in it together. So to me, it rather than Wilkes acting, I think he's in, he's inflated the situation by acting the way he did. But if he'd have just said to McGinnis, "Look, mate." I'm fancying this one. Like, I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to score another goal. Like, it, it's an avoidable situation, is what I'm trying to say. But the fact that McCann has, has, has obviously said to him, McGinnis is the uh, penalty taker. I think is irrelevant because on the pitch things can change. What if McGinnis weren't feeling it and he passed it to Wilkes? Would, no, because that would have been McCann fine, have been pissed off. But that's because, because McGinnis has made the choice that he doesn't want to take it. He doesn't get a penalty. T- Clearly, the designated penalty taker wanted to take it because it's his. Put it this way, I think we're putting too much into it. We said at the start, we're letting it overshadow yeah. the entire result. It was a good result. Yeah. It's, I think... No, yeah. Well, I, yeah, but I'm, I'm saying I, I'm not seeing it as a negative is what I'm saying. I'll just... The vast majority of people are. I'll just end it with... I think the best, the best way I saw it put was by, I think it's Andy Medcalf on Twitter, who just said, winners don't have to be twats. <laughs> I think that's that's the best way of putting it. Yeah. They've all yeah. they've all like apologised. It sounds like it's all been yeah. sorted out. So it's the end of it there. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll leave it there. I'm happy with that. Um, obviously, if, if if any of you disagree with me, which I think the vast majority of you will, or if you agree with Will, you can let us know. Um, obviously, I, I assume you've all got our Twitter handle by now. You've probably seen us all about. Um, so we'll go from obviously the Wimbledon game then. So we've got Rochdale next on Tuesday. Actually, to be fair, I'll read out the one comment I got from Twitter today about um, today's game uh, before we move on because I feel like if you're the only person who's <laughs> contributed, I should read it out. 
So, um, Adam Corrigan did tweet earlier, um, and he put, I thought we were excellent today, superb away performance. Seems to have been missed by a lot of fans worried about the Wilkes incident. <laughs> we just feel like half an hour on it. <laughs> but let's hope we can find some, yeah, let's hope we can find some consistency and perform like that for the rest of the season. Um, I totally understand why people are getting swept away with negativity and are just completely fed up with everything that's happened. But we have to try and call it as we see it. I thought it was a superb performance and one we desperately needed. Yeah. Yeah, which is largely true. Probably yeah. a very good performance. I don't as, think it was a perfect performance, but it was across. perfect for what we needed to do. Like, it wasn't a good performance, but we needed to be solid. We needed to sort of get over the Ipswich game. And we need. Mm. No, I, thought, I don't know. I thought, I, I thought it was a very. I mean, I would, obviously, I would, I would probably say, liked uh, yeah, I would KLB, say the, maybe a couple more goals. The opposition really helped. It's what I would put as a caveat because Wimbledon didn't turn up. Oh. Did they not, or did we just nullify them? Did we play that well that it. it put it this it, way, I think like, they were, like, they like, were um, as bad as we were good then. Okay. Didn't Incredibly cliche. Um, quite as negative. No, probably. I thought we were decent. I just yeah. don't think we were amazing. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't like the Portsmouth game. No, it was. It was sort of just comfortable. The Portsmouth game was a great performance. I thought this was just yeah. a comfortable performance. Yeah. Even yeah, I'm I'll not trying to be that negative. An answer, just, that's fine. Um, uh, I thought it was. A, it was a good, solid performance. It was what was needed. Um, you just need to continue. Being that's that sort of solid going forward, especially against Rochdale, who were another yeah. team that we should be looking at getting points from. Yeah, I get you, mate. Um, so we'll go from that. Then we'll go to the um, Rochdale game on Tuesday. Um, so this this really begins a run of three games that we should be winning, especially. Considering, like you know, like we've mentioned with the games in hand situation, and that we need to be beating the teams down the bottom all the time and then picking up points for teams around us if we've got any chance at the top two. So it's starting with these three winnable games. Rochdale are next. We've disposed of Wimbledon. Now, I think yeah, <laughs> me and you have two predictions. Um, but I'm going to ask you for one. Well, yeah. Beautiful. Rochdale won a horrendous run of form. They haven't won in ages. Um, they're a team near the bottom of the table. They're a team near the top. All set up. Perfect for a typical city performance. Fuck that, we're going to win. I think we're going to win. Uh, yes. Oh, I don't know about Scott. Scott. I was it 2-0. 2-0. McGuinness and... Yeah, McGuinness and Kale. I mean, I've got a... Run. Break his duck. Good. Would love that. Um, I've got um, a Rochdale fan who's messaged me. Um staying anonymous for, for certain reasons. Um but I did I asked him some questions to sort of like get a get a feel of their season and how their their fan base is feeling and stuff. I feel like uh in this season I'm gonna try and engage a bit more with some some opposition fans and we'll, you know, try and get some other views in it because I think people me and you can oh, we can rabble on a bit, we can can't we? For <laughs> we'll get another perspective in. Um so I asked him to rate their season out of ten, see how they're feeling. And he said I'd rate our season 4 out of 10. We've shown a clear understanding on how to attack. But unfortunately, our defence has let us down. 
Um, it looks like we're now trying to sort the defence out, which has left us struggling to score goals. So we've tried to fix one problem and the other one's become the problem. <laughs> so with our current attack, hopefully that's a, that's a positive for us. If if they're either, they either don't score goals well, or they can't defend... When we played the earlier in the is, season, is we won 3-0. Um, it was a comfortable performance from Emery. Um, it, was an early, it was one of the early games in the season. Um I think Wilkes and McGuinness were the scorers in that one as well, from memory. And it, it was one of those games where it was quite a comfortable yeah. game. It wasn't. It was a like like Wimbledon essentially. It was a comfortable performance. City were did what they needed to do. It was it followed the. I think it was the game straight after the Fleetwood match when we got smashed. Um. So it was it was a game we needed to win at the time, and yeah. similar to this one, to be fair, similar to Wimbledon the way. Um. But we we won convincingly against Accrington and very then they, they span it round and did us a second time in very very uh, within a week as well. So you know sometimes you because Wimbledon's think, actually yeah. the first double we've done this season and we're in February. So you know maybe uh, maybe the fact we beat him the first time round is not that good an omen. Um, but I asked him if <laughs> um, I asked him where about if if they feel like. He's under, they're underperforming or about where they are, uh, where he expected them to be uh, this season so far. And he said it's, it's a hard one to answer because we've seen what Rochdale can do. We've had two amazing seasons and on reflection, we might have just worked miracles with the squad at the time. Um, then again, this league's become so much more difficult with huge, team, huge teams dropping down. I think we'd all love to keep playing League One football, but it looks they're like we're not on the dock I for think League I'm Two, unfortunately. They're in quite a similar so, position to us right now, but in a different way. They've played 31 games, they're on 28 points. The two teams, they're right on the edge of the relegation zone. The teams below them got the same points, but have got games in hand. So they're in a similar position to us in mm. terms of, oh, the teams around us have all got games in hand. But we need them to sort of like, we need to sort of then to drop those points in order for us to sort of help us out, help ourselves. Yeah. So I thought I'd try and get a, a feel about who their danger man for us to look out would be. So I've asked who their biggest, who their um, player of the season so far and their biggest goal threat is. And he said, um, Stephen Humphreys has come into the squad and provided them with a great outlet up front. Um, I haven't really seen a game where he's underperformed and he always gives 110%. Matty Lund has come back and wow, what a player he's been for us, a true contributor on the pitch. And I would probably feel that these two players are the ones that stand out massively in the squad. Um, and, Carrying on, Humphreys is the right. Yeah, the Humphreys wasn't at the, at the side so, when we played him last time, so could be a bit of a different threat from when we last played them. And also, yeah, we're so, playing so them so at the KC where we can't maybe. score for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I asked how they feel with the manager at the moment, and he said Brian came in and really bailed us out of a free fall stint into League Two, kept him up. Um, thinks he's a cracking manager. He's got great ideas. Uh, for how they should play. He just doesn't think that they have the players to sort of um, interpret yeah. the style that he wants them to play, and that's why they're as low as they are. I mean, that could sort of apply to us at the same time, really, because if we don't have our starting eleven, we, we cannot play McCann's favoured little four three three system, can we? So I feel like we can understand that one. Um, I asked him who he thought our biggest threat is for them, um, who he's least looking forward to facing. And he put, I feel the idea of playing Hull City in this league is something like a club like Rochdale are always excited for and carry some hope. Uh, we're aware that 
that team has so much talent at their disposal. So I'd have to say, as for people who pose a threat, well, your entire team. <laughs> That's a bit of a cop out so, answer. I mean, he obviously hasn't seen. He hasn't really seen Jacob Greaves. Well, even when yet, even when so Greaves he, scores, really he gets taken away from him. Like, oh, sad. I feel really sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, what Wilkes is 11. on fifteen. Yep, eleven. McGinnis is on eleven. Six in the Hale league. We're on the league. league or that way. Six, yeah. Docket is always a threat. Honeyman's very dangerous from set pieces, so I can kind We've of see where he's scorers, going. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. You know, it doesn't Docket necessarily have to be goal scorers. A roll on three goals in the league. Yeah. Um, so I've said. Do you think, can you see Hull City getting promoted this season? And you put, Hull shouldn't even be in this league in the first place. I'm fairly confident you'll be out here. Oh, I wish I had that confidence. I know, yeah. I actually had um, someone send me a tweet earlier. Let me see if I can find it. It was a Wimbledon fan. I asked I asked uh, on the Wimbledon hashtag if there was any fans think, that wanted to give their thoughts. I think if I look at the table, Peterborough, I think, going up. And that he said, yeah, Pink, yeah. Uh, Peterborough and Lincoln I think will be Peterborough the are going to go two. Donny, Donny, I think, will be the, the biggest threat to the... No, oh, yeah, the biggest threat to the top two. I don't know. It's such a... There's, there's, there's a few... Below the, the games in hand have really messed everything so up. You get an idea of exactly who's where. Because yeah. Blackpool on us, they've got five games in hand. In theory, if they won all those... They won't. But if they won all those five games in hand, they'd, they'd overtake us. And they're currently in 13. Yeah. yeah. I think we could drop down to like 8, 7, The games had happened because of the way that the game's been postponed. It's really messed up the, night, the idea of who exactly is where. Yeah. The, only, the only one we know for certain technically so, is um, the, the... because we've played all our games. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're at a bit of a, a handicap compared to the rest of the league. Um, so Ray Armfield, who's a Wimbledon fan on Twitter at Kent Womble, if if you want to know his handle, he's put um, two deba- two debatable penalties aside. Hull still much the better team today, solid and organised at the back. Quickly worked out the stopping Joe Piggott, not much of our goal threat. Impressed with Alfie Jones in midfield, he broke up play very well, and I think he'll go up via playoffs. So if it's you offer me that, that now, I'd take it. But I'd you just know, there isn't <laughs> us that teams will get. There's a, there's, a, there's a trend at the moment that every fan but Hull City fans will go up. There was a lot of things about <laughs> when we everyone was going on about getting rid of McCann. I think a lot of a lot of fans who went City fans were like, why do they want rid of him? They're fed. I think it's because they don't yeah, know. Yeah, because the, there's a neutral perspective. The full star just won January manager of the month. Yeah, he's won January of the manager of the month and we sat in third place. So people were like, why are they asking for him to be sacked? That's just weird. But yeah, it's it's one of them where you need the context. Like if you're not yeah, a fan of the club, you, you, don't, you wouldn't you don't really understand. You wouldn't them. know the context. They, they won't have really focused on how bad we were last season. No, so it is. Yeah, is to to anybody who's not a city fan, it does seem bizarre. But that's that's just understandable, really. Um, so we've covered all that. We haven't got really much anything else to to talk about. What I do want to say is, um, I listened to um Rich and Luke on the Tigers, Tigers, blah 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 earlier. Um. Their new episode was a was a good I one have. to wear for listen. If you haven't already, will um, yeah. I have? Yeah, you have the most recent one. 
Yeah, it was a very good one. And you know, it made me think. Where we're too um, negative? Because <laughs> I admire. Yes, yeah, I think we are way too negative. It was a bit of an enlightened moment for me. So if you if you ever do listen to this one, um, Rich, you've 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 awoke me. I'm I'm going to. I'm going to change stop, my ways. Stop complaining I'm gonna, about Malik Will. <laughs> I'm going to try and focus on positive. Yes. Well, you see, no. Well, the thing is, is they made me realise the the thing is, McCann isn't going to go. He's not. Um, they're not going to sack him. He's not going to walk. So, as much as we don't like him, we've got him. So, rather than you know going on on Twitter and um, moaning about him all the time and. And, and saying how much we don't like him and, and, and we want him to go, etc. Nothing's going to change. So we might as well focus your energy on just supporting the lads and what they're doing because, you know, I know Twitter's a place where we can go and say what we want and we do have the right to say what we want. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not saying to anybody, stop stop saying McCann out or anything because I do, I would rather him be gone. But the reality of the situation is, the feel of the club at the moment just for so long has been so toxic, um, which would start from, you know, the the, the whole, whole Tigers fiasco. From that point onwards, it just, something went wrong. And it's, I mentioned to Rich on Twitter earlier that when I was a kid, when I first started watching City, when it was like, you know, the 1999, 2000 onwards, um, the thing with City was we were never a really, really good team. Um, we were always struggling. Uh, and then we found this sort of unprecedented success, which coincided with us moving to the KCOM. Um, but the club always sort of, you know, we were always as one. The, the, the club and the fans all moved together. We had this, this whole togetherness about us. Um, whereas there's a new generation now that have known nothing but promotion and Premier League and good players and now that that's shifted back down to well that we've shifted back down to lower echelons of the divisions this disparity mixed with the owners mixed with this manager it's just created this I don't know whirlpool of of, of sadness <laughs> it's a bit I'm going to let Martin Luther King but <laughs> But do you know what I mean? It's it's what I'm trying to say is I think to anybody that's listening, like rather than letting the fact that Grant McCann is our manager ruin our day and ruin our week every week, let's let's all start because you know we we started the Amber Ribbon campaign, which was which was all about fan unity, um, and it worked for a little like bit when the season was going well at the beginning, but then when we yeah. I think it it needs to be something that we maybe revisit um, because, you know, the football club's about, the, you know, the fans are going to be here all the time. This set of players, Grant McCann won't be manager for forever. Um, Assem and Ehab won't be owners forever, I hope. <laughs> but um, we, we do need to start pulling together in, in, in the same direction again because, you know, the infighting on Twitter is a bit silly and, yeah, let's get. We should. We, we should be getting a, upset about more serious motivational like playing up. Yeah. So you know, if 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 there's anything that 
any of you want to um, suggest that we talk about? Because, you know, like we enjoyed doing the special episode with, with Matt from the FIFA factory last time out. You know, we took a nice happy trip down Nostalgia Lane and talked about some favourites and stuff. So, you know, if anybody ever wants to, to contribute anything to the, to the um, podcast, wants to jump on for an episode, just do let any of us know because, you know, let's start moving in a, in, in a forwards direction and, and start working together and, and, and bring in some more good times, even if that means talking about past times. Um, I just think that City Twitter should be a happy place. I want to see us all smiling. <laughs> so, is there anything that you want to say yeah, on that? Really oh, it off. I've just depressed myself by reminding myself that don't spoil. <laughs> Well, apart from that, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Right. So we'll leave it there. Then. Uh, yeah. I might hit my cam, but I'm not going to show it as yes. much. So, like I said, yes. Yeah. Let's just, you know, focus on the things that we can control. Um. So we'll leave it there then. If, if, like I said, if anybody wants to get in touch with anything, thoughts on the episode, thoughts on. Thoughts on my long elaborated speech and telling me I'm a muppet? You can you can do so. I'll take that in. Um, do get in touch with us, um, and we'll try and do what as we always. Can. Uh, so thanks for joining me, Will. I'm sorry that I, I mean, made you arise. I, sh- I shouldn't have been asleep anyway. Let's be frigging honest. Hibernation period. We 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 had agreed. <laughs> I didn't realize you were farting. We did it. We did agree. I just didn't want to say you that. Can't to feel bad feel after the TUN. <laughs> exactly. Positive. Three 0 win. We're doing good. We're in. Th- we're in third. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for listening to this episode, and uh, keep your eyes peeled for, um, you know, any engaging tweets that we send out. If you want to be part of it or have your tweets read out, bye. Uh, thanks for joining us. See you later. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. Talk sport. Powered by fans.